Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. Oh, that's a long way. It's the truth for the win. Good. Oh, it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the College Basketball Power Conference Tournament Betting Preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson and Mr. Mike Randall. What's going on, gentlemen? You're Colin, you're live from a ski lodge right now? I'm, I'm live from a ski lodge. I have uh, sequestered myself next to the Wi-Fi. I have told everybody to stay out because we are recording an award-winning podcast, and I just won a very narrow Iowa bet on the road against Illinois. That was, uh, was a nail-biter there at the end. Uh, this Big Ten tournament, I think, out of all the tournaments, this is going to be the one that's just going to keep giving and giving and giving with tons of entertainment. You know, that's tremendous dedication. That was a nice, nice comeback for you. And I am very happy that Oral Roberts and Nebraska Omaha put him on a neutral site and go way under 159 points. So it was a good Sunday all around, I think. Yeah, keep in mind, we've already had a, a few tickets punched to the dance. And, you know, Bradley, I can't believe Missouri State, they had a shot. Keep in mind, conference tournament championships, final games, they tend to be under machines. You know, everything tightens up. It becomes more of a half-court game, much more on the line. There's more pressure. Those games, you usually see them steam down in the total, too. I was very disappointed in William & Mary today, losing to Elon. What a dud. I had a future on them to go out. I was very happy on the other side. So that's the ugly, or I should say the bad. If we do a good, bad, and ugly. Bad was was William & Mary. The ugly was betting DePaul. Oh, my God. I think they lost by – how do you lose by 60 to Providence? I love Providence, but how, I mean – and I know Paul Reed didn't play and he was supposed, but just that was my worst bet of the weekend. The good was the highlight of the weekend. Sam Merrill, Money Merrill, just absolutely refusing to let his team lose on multiple occasions all weekend. Took over the game multiple times, played every single minute, three games and three nights. Malachi Flynn, meanwhile, was resting. What are you resting for? The tournament's two weeks away. It's the championship game. And he took a, a, a break in the second half. I guess he was tired. Merrill never lost his legs, even though he has a bad knee. And that shot, I knew it was going in. And then Malachi Flynn, I turned my back. I couldn't watch it. I was like, if I had this much joy, I have a Utah State national title future, Utah State Mountain West future. I, do, I bet Utah State. If I have that much joy, I almost jumped through the ceiling when he made it. And then they hit a half-court shot and went in overtime. I'd be, I couldn't watch it. So I turned my back and listened. And luckily it rimmed out, which I had to see on the replay. But Utah State, that is March. That game was March. Everything about it was March. Randall, tell me about your uh, good, bad, and ugly, and just overall thoughts on the weekend. I'm sure you're going to say death tax. I think I tweeted this. Hey, death taxes and uh, Harvard beats Yale again. I'm pissed I passed on that because that's becoming uh, just the same old song every time those two teams meet. What do you got? Oh, come on, man. Yale, king of the little people, can't beat Harvard, doesn't matter, no Seth Towns, no Bryce Aiken. If he walks in to the Ivy League tournament, I'm going to start laughing. They just cannot beat Harvard. That game was not close. Overall, really good weekend. 
nice comeback by Wisconsin on the road at Indiana. Very nice to get a share of the, the Big Ten regular season. Also, how about Kentucky? I wrote that up for action, and I'm seeing that Ashton Hagens did not make the trip because he wasn't in a good place. And I'm frustrated as heck, but a huge comeback on the road there. They get the outright win by one over Florida without Hagens, which is a huge, huge, huge win for Calipari. Only one that frustrated me all weekend is I hit Nova in the second half because they were rolling against Georgetown. They're up 14 nothing, whatever it is, right off the bat. And then Georgetown comes back. Nova almost loses that game. I mean, just inexplicable loss there. Overall, pretty good week. But maybe Nova was just looking ahead of the Big East tournament. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind with Georgetown is that I actually had some Georgetown pregame when that line got a little out of hand. I mean, they were they were so Georgetown lines just steam every morning. Every morning, it's like Mac McClung and Yurtsevin are out, and the line will go the other way. I don't even know why they open them. Just wait for the announcement, and then open them. But Georgetown doesn't have much depth, right? And their legs are starting to. These guys are playing so many minutes that are left. But Nova's a snail, and Nova doesn't draw fouls, so it's actually like a decent matchup for Georgetown in that they won't wear down, right? Like it's not going to be an up and down game, and they're not going to have guys in foul trouble, even though Pickett did end up fouling out. But that's something to keep in mind. We'll get to the Big East tournament. Colin, let me throw it to you. Any overall thoughts on the weekend? You got to talk about your hogs, too. Woo, pig suey. Colin's talking Razorback basketball. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the hogs. Man, I'm ready to put DePaul to bed. Did I think DePaul plus 10 was a good bet? Holy cow. I talk about not showing up in a spot where Providence probably didn't care. The Big 12 was West Virginia, way to get it home for me. I'm glad that we won that bet, but I took Texas Tech plus three and a half, uh, which, you know, was kind of the best of the number. I think it closed at three. And because of a free throw at the end from Kansas, they win by four. So, you know, I, I can't complain. You know, you take South Florida, they win by one and the spread was one. So it, it just seems like the lines are, have been super sharp for me. And it's it's been a coin flip at the end of each of these games, especially just like what we saw with Iowa and Illinois. And as for the Razorbacks, it's Texas A&M is playing really well. And Stuck, I know you've mentioned this on the podcast before. This loss is going to be looked at by the committee as a bad loss, but it's not because Texas A&M is playing much better as of late. And it that doesn't matter. This isn't fairy land. This is the committee land. <laughs> this is the committee land. And, and, you know, Texas A&M is probably not going to get any credit for this. And I think they're going to go on a little bit under the radar. As far as what I'm looking at in futures numbers, they're going to go a little bit under the radar in the SEC tournament. But yeah, Arkansas, you know, if you can shut down one of their best options or they have an off shooting night, they can't beat anybody. If they're playing excellent perimeter defense uh, and they're not in foul trouble, because that's the only way they know to play defense. And they're hitting all, and Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe are hitting all their shots. They could beat anybody. So it, it's just tough at night to night. It, it differs. Yep. Uh, but you mentioned West Virginia, man, that place is a zoo when there's a big game there. I mean, I, you have people in the crowd. They looks like a drunk zoo. You probably have, I mean, West Virginia is going to get calls there, which helps how they play, you know, their pressure style defense. It's just such a boost for them when they play in that environment. You also have Huggins staring down the refs. You probably have people in the, in the crowd, flashing shotguns at the refs like and then they go on a run and Baylor can't score for like 10 minutes and then it just increases and builds and builds that's a fun place to watch a game just on tv I gotta get there I've been there for many football games but man that's a that's one an environment for a great you know high level top 20 matchup in basketball I don't know how Wyoming super fan it was his name Ken Wyoming Ken was it the guy that wears just the barrel and the suspenders we got to get hit we got to get Wyoming fast-tracked in the tournament just for that Yep. By the way, I was talking to a friend earlier today about superstitious ways to check scores. I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but he mentioned he did it. And I was like, wow, I think I'm the, I thought I was the only one who does this every once in a while. If like, you know, a, a game is not on TV or even if it is on TV and I'm not feeling great about it. And it's like at the end and I'm watching something else, I will go to like Twitter and search the team's name and then like refresh and look for updates on what happened or go to that team's Twitter page and see if they tweet it. Cause usually they tweet like good news, any superstitions, score tracking ways that you have? Are you pretty standard, Randall? Anything? Oh, I feel good now. I mean, I was doing that with Bethune-Cookman like every game this year. So now I feel like I'm actually normal. Absolutely. If it's a delay and you're not getting the update, absolutely. I go to the local Twitter, go to the, the feed there. Maybe you have like a fan page or something. I just keep hitting refresh. Absolutely. Yeah, no, but sometimes I do it just to, I. that's how I want to get the update. Like I will, I'm going to turn, close my action app and this is how I'm going to get the update. And I want to see it from some fan, either screaming. Uh, I will do that every once in a while. Colin, anything similar for how you check scores or superstitions? Oh, yeah. 
definitely worse for me during college football season. And the things that I do when it comes to scores, when teams get down or over-unders aren't looking good, I go, it's an old baseball superstition because I played so long. I go and change clothes or I go and put on lucky socks or I'll go do laundry with the volume like extremely low. I refuse to look at the TV. I may go out on my back porch, maybe listen to it while I'm, you know, sweeping the back. Like I, I do other things around the house and I pace and I clean the house. I have the cleanest house in the world after a college football Saturday. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, let's get to what you're all here for. Can we get serious now? Today, we're going to cover all of the conference tournaments, ACC, Big 12, SEC, Pac-12, Big East, Big 10. We're going to talk, you know, any potential first-round matchups you like, but more importantly, futures, who you think is going to win it, where the value is. Um, so let's hop right into it and start. Just chronologically, I think it makes sense to start with the ACC. This starts on Tuesday in Greensboro. I think all the other ones start on Wednesday. The top four seeds get a double buy into the quarters. That's Florida State, who's actually the number one seed. Uh, number two seed is Virginia. Number three seed. Louisville, number four seed, Duke. And then you have five and six. NC State is the five seed. The six seed is Syracuse. The reason I mentioned the top six seeds, even though you know, the top four get a double by, is the lowest seed to ever win the tournament is a six seed. And the ACC has been around for a long time. You have 14 seed, North Carolina. Someone DM'd me the other day and said, is there any value in North Carolina 70 to one? I mean, the funny thing is I've seen some other books that have like 25 to one, which is a joke. Uh, I mean, UNC is not that good. They're playing better of late. They're healthier, but they have to win five games in five days. So I know the ACC is down this year. I mean, 70 to one, you're a UNC fan or you want to take a flyer. Sure. Go for it. But yeah, 25 to one, 20 to one. And that's because of the, the name recognition of, of UNC is absolutely crazy. Let's get into it here. I mean, you, Virginia shocked the world and got up to a two seed by beating Louisville. I mean, the team wins another close game. They hit another big three in the final 30 seconds. Uh, they got up to the two seed. Bill is the three seed. Duke is the favorite at plus 140. Louisville is second at plus 300. Florida State's at plus 350. Then Virginia's at plus 600 per Westgate. You're going to see some varying odds. Westgate, North Carolina is 60 to 1. First, I'll throw it to Randall. Randall, overall thoughts on the ACC, who you like to ultimately cut down the nets, and who you could see as a potential sleeper. If I go pod by pod, I think Florida State got a really nice draw here. Whether it's Clemson or Miami, I know Clemson beat them, but they pounded Clemson earlier this year. It's always dangerous to me with with Florida State and Seminole betting, but I think they have a nice road here to the semifinals. Duke, good luck. I I mean, you know, obviously I think it's going to be NC State. If it's Wake Forest or Pitt, they're going to roll as well. It's a coin flip there, but it sets up well with Florida State Duke there. Now, if you go to the bottom, this is where I think things can get a little nuts. Virginia Tech, North Carolina, either one of those teams can beat Syracuse, and either one of those teams can beat what I think is a very soft Louisville team. So whether it's Syracuse's own, you got to find out what's up with Elijah Hughes, but if it's Syracuse's own or North Carolina finally getting it together with the bigs inside, either one of them could make a roll over Louisville. So I'm not going to have Louisville going far at all, even if they win that first game. Then Notre Dame, Boston College. Boston College is terrible. Notre Dame versus Virginia. Eh, I mean, I guess Notre Dame could could beat them. That could be a decent matchup for them. But I'm looking here so far at the winner of the Syracuse-Virginia Tech-North Carolina game, which you mentioned about the, the future. That team can absolutely make a run. They can beat Louisville, who I think is a little bit of a paper tiger. And then they'd have to play the winner of Virginia, probably Notre Dame. So that's what you're looking at. I think it's wide open. NC State could get hot. They already pounded Duke. So certainly they could make a run. Hard for me to go with Florida State, although I I keep thinking back to the Dana Altman corollary, I call it. Like, finally, is this Leonard Hamilton's time? Is this the time the team is going to put it together? Are the ghosts of not fouling from years ago in the Elite Eight against, I think it was Michigan, going to go away? And are they going to make a run here right now? But I get it's dangerous to bet against Duke. They're fired up because Robinson's kid is is now scoring. I think that's a little telling to me <laughs> that like they're relying on him to to really give him momentum. So right off the bat, the team that I think could be dangerous is whoever you like coming out of that Syracuse Virginia Tech game because I think they can get on a run. North Carolina either also. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. It's Florida State, Duke, and then an upset in the bottom part of the bracket. Yeah, when I look at this, it's at the top. I I, I also I mean Florida State. I don't think. If you look at them this year, one of the things that's intriguing about them from a future perspective, not only are they as deep uh, as anyone in the country, as you, a Leonard, Leonard Hamilton team usually is, they also have as much length as anyone in the country. Um, I think they're number one in average height on Kempom. This is a team that they have no bad losses on the year, right? I mean, they lost at, at Pitt, which to start the year, it was a weird game. It's an ACC game to start the year. They lost at Pitt by two. 
they but they lost at Indiana, they lost at Virginia, at Duke, and then at Clemson. That's it. Like so, they haven't really had a bad loss. So I would expect them to get back. I mean, Clemson, Miami is Clemson going to lose to Miami to to secure their NIT bid? I don't know, but I would think Florida State they would get by the winner of, of Clemson and Miami, but yeah, maybe not. But they they fare well usually in tourney settings because of how deep they are. It does set up a potential, I think, a Florida Duke semifinal game but I I mean Duke is the favorite of plus whatever they are 150 or plus 200 I don't see any value in that I mean they have to play an NC State team that's going to be really hungry who already beat them most likely and then potentially Florida State or Clemson a Clemson team that already beat them and then the championship game three games in three days and for a Duke team that's been wildly inconsistent especially away from home no thanks uh plus 150 plus 200 Florida State also I mean when you look at the odds here I say to myself okay well Florida State and Duke are two of the three favorites, but they're in, in the, the same pod, right? And then there's some potential landmines with, with with some bubble teams. So on the bottom, I, I look, I, I disagree with you. I have Louisville still as a top 10 team. I don't think Virginia can beat them on a neutral court, and they'll they'll get their revenge from recently seeing the pack line. Um, I assume Malik Williams is going to be healthy now. And, you know, the Syracuse, North Carolina, I mean, maybe North Carolina, I just, it's still not a great team to me. Um, it's improving, and they're healthy. Virginia Tech to me stinks. And then Syracuse, you have Elijah Hughes, who sat out the second half at Miami, has a concussion or some head injury. Who knows if he's going to play? The team is just not shooting well lately. Normally, I would look at a Syracuse, what, 66, 70, 50 to 1 shot in a tournament setting with that zone. Uh, Louisville absolutely shredded, shredded that zone already. So I'm going to say Louisville beats whoever comes out of there, then beats Virginia. They don't have to deal with Duke and or Florida State until potentially the final. I hope it's Florida State who beat Louisville twice. I think they get their event. So I think Louisville cuts down the nets. I don't necessarily see much value in the future in a very top-heavy ACC bracket this year. So I'll disagree with you there, and it's good to have diversity of thought. Colin, do you, do you want to weigh in on anything on the ACC? I would say right now that there's no value on any of the current numbers. I'd agree with you there, Stuck, because some of these numbers at the Westgate, plus 140 on Duke. Uh, NC State beat them by 22. All right. Wake just beat them not too long ago. And, you know, I think Florida State is got a nice draw with them and could beat Duke even if Duke survives. So I think that's a really terrible number on Duke. Uh, Virginia should be more like seven to one, but I agree with you. Louisville's going to beat them. Well, uh, Florida State's still plus 350. And let's talk about this North Carolina thing because North Carolina is getting a lot of attention, a lot of hype in other places. They're almost dead last in minutes continuity and they rank around 286 in the nation, shooting 68% from three free throw. And they expect them to win five games in a row with, you know, those kinds of stats. That's tough to do. And so I don't believe in this North Carolina hype. I, maybe, they can, maybe they can do some damage in the first two games, but uh, I agree with you that Louisville wins that game. I, I, you know, I get it, guys. I guess here's my thing. I could see Louisville making the finals easily. I could. I don't see them winning three games in three nights. Stucky, I'm with you. I would love to, to get on the Syracuse bandwagon. I just can't because they've lost five of their last eight games. They've lost two of their last three, and they've got pounded in some of these games, 13 to North Carolina, 24 to Louisville. So that's the problem with Syracuse. I, I think it's tailor-made for someone to step forward, but I can't find anyone to be a challenger there. So if Louisville somehow gets through, gets a re- get revenge against Virginia, I just it's that last game. So that's the one that I'm struggling with. I'm trying to find, you know, like you said, Colin, UNC. I just can't get there. You know what I'd like to take? I'd like to take a no number on Duke. I mean, if you're giving yes, plus 140 yes. odds on them winning, then give me a minus 200 on a no. I would scoop that up easy. So yeah, that's you guys like there's, there's no will a 16 seed win. You could find, like, I've seen yes. some books that offered it like eight to one, but there's no no on it. It's crazy. Don't please don't bet eight to one that a 16 seed will win. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, Duke will potentially have to beat NC State, Florida State, and then Louisville in three straight days, plus 140. No thanks. So I'm probably rolling with uh, Louisville here, who I think has the easiest draw with a banged up Syracuse team. Syracuse also has no bench this year. So we have to win four games in four days, uh, just, and especially if Elijah Hughes is out, I mean, Bayheim shooting under 30% from three since the start of February. A lot of things not to like about Syracuse. Been top heavy year for, in the ACC. I think it continues that way in the tournament. All right, ACC predictions. I'm going to say Louisville beats Florida State, gets their revenge, and Louisville wins it. Randall? I'm going to say Florida State beats Notre Dame. Wow, there's there's uh, going out on a limb here, Mike Bray, baby. Uh, Colin, ACC. I'm gonna go with the ugliest game possible. I'm gonna take Florida State over Virginia. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the SEC tournament. 
Now, I want every bit of information that you've got in this, every lead. Is that clear? Starts on Wednesday in Nashville. The top four seeds get a double bye into the quarterfinals, which is Kentucky, the top overall seed, Mississippi State, Auburn, and LSU. Auburn and LSU are in the same bracket, and Kentucky and Mississippi State are on top. At the the Westgate right now, Kentucky's plus 250, then Auburn's plus 350, LSU's plus 450. Florida, who doesn't have a bye, is plus 600. Arkansas is 20 to 1. Mississippi State's 8 to 1. Semi-intriguing to me because they're in the Kentucky bracket. I assume Ashton Hagens is going to be back for everything that I read. But Mississippi State, I think because they're in that Kentucky bracket, if they win that, I mean, everything opens up. So maybe there's some some value there. But Colin, do you see any potential sleepers here? Or is this going to be Kentucky's tournament once again? What do you see overall with the SEC? This is Kentucky's tournament, but there are teams that I think can rise to the occasion and at least get to the finals with them or give them a challenge in the semifinal. And that's going to present value upon the number that's out there. Now, the numbers that Westgate put out are extremely sharp. So let me go kind of pod to pod and talk about how I think things are going to go. We let's just knock out all the all the teams that are playing in the first round. I mean, Georgia Ole Miss. I mean, you know, Ole Miss has an advantage in defensive steals uh, and Georgia's 10th in the SEC. I expect them to win. But let's just throw out all the day one, except for Arkansas. Let's focus on Arkansas because they have a path. They're a team to watch. They should be bandy by double digits. Uh, they got the best player in SEC and Mason Jones. Mason Jones. South Carolina is the best defensive team in the conference, but they're last in free throw rate defensively. Arkansas is first offensively in free throw rate. They get to the line a lot. They force you to foul. And it's get going, they're going to go against an LSU team that's the worst in the conference in defending the perimeter. We just saw this with Arkansas. So do I think Arkansas can win three in a row? Absolutely. Is their number at 20 to 1 priced correctly? Yes. Ken Palm says there are about a 5% chance of them winning the SEC tournament. So they're priced correctly, and they can do some damage and get to the semifinals. But I think that's where it ends. I think the team we need to watch is Texas A&M. And, you know, their first game is going to be a brutal game with Missouri, two of the slowest tempos in the nation. Texas A&M won both these games during the regular season. Shouldn't have an issue here. Missouri's dead last in effective field goal percentage, and they get most of their points from the free throw line, and, t- and Texas A&M doesn't foul anybody. So you get past that, you move on to an Auburn team, and I don't like Auburn at all. I don't know about you guys, but Auburn is one of the highest teams in the nation and luck. And they just lost to Texas A&M at home. I mean, it's embar- I don't know if Auburn's just looking ahead or didn't care, but let's think about this. They rank seventh in the nation in luck because they have four conference wins that happen in overtime. They're 301st in three-point shots. They have a season-long 30.6% has shrunk to 28.8% in conference play from three. They're a terrible shooting team. They also don't defend the three well either. They don't. Texas A&M absolutely can beat Missouri. They've done it twice already. They could beat Auburn. They just did it. And then they're sitting in the semifinals against a possible depleted and tired Arkansas, South Carolina, or an LSU team that can easily be beat. Uh, you know, Texas A&M is the team that I'm focusing on. The numbers should be 100 to 1. Westgate, I think, is putting 50 to 1 out there. I think that's been hit today and yesterday. I think some other people may have the same ideology as this. The number, according to Ken Palm, win probability of SEC should be 100 to 1 because you're going to have to hedge this against Kentucky. It's going to be a monster hedge. But Texas A&M is who I like on the bottom of the bracket. On the top, I love Mississippi State. I don't like anything about Florida. Uh, Ole Miss can beat them. Ole Miss should beat them. And once Ole Miss gets to Mississippi State, it's just a really tough matchup for Ole Miss. Uh, Florida has issues with Mississippi State. I think Kentucky-Mississippi State could be just written into the semifinals uh, in which it's going to turn out being a Kentucky versus something wild from the bottom. And I think Texas A&M is that dark sleep team. So shop wisely. Look for 80-to-1s, 100-to-1s, better than that on Texas A&M and get prepared for a monster hedge against Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky, they have – it's not – for a one seed in the SEC, their first game isn't – Easy per se. I mean, you're going to have to play the winner of Tennessee, who's playing mm-hmm. better here of late. I mean, they just got rocked at Auburn, which was a weird line, but they just beat one at Rupp or Alabama. And, you know, Alabama is just a very high variance team. They want to push it. They have John Petty back. They're going to take a ton of threes. So, you know, it, to say Kentucky's a lock, and then I assume Higgins is back, isn't, I can't say that here. Usually they are as the one seed against the eight, nine, you know, and in Nashville, if they have to play Tennessee, all Kentucky fans travel, but they, you know, it's not going to be a completely dominated Kentucky crowd. It's tough thing with Mississippi state is potentially going to have to face Florida and then Kentucky and then the winner of the bottom half. So Mississippi state's intriguing to me, but I, I agree with you that where the chaos should 
lie is in the bottom half. And if you can get an Arkansas at 30 to one or better, maybe it's mm-hmm. worth a shot. There's some 30 to ones out there. Um, and yeah, Texas A&M that the way that they've been playing the Auburn and LSU are, are they're just very vulnerable two and three seeds in the SEC. We've seen it recently with some of the losses they suffered. Not great. I mean, LSU is just a horrendous defensive team. LSU also has no bench, uh, which is something to keep in mind. I mean, they're going to, they do have a bye, but they'll win three games in three days. So with that defense, with no bench at all, um, I mean, that's where the loss of Charles Manning, I think, hurts. I think you can cross off LSU. Auburn has a ton of talent, but yeah, can't shoot, struggle with the line. Um, and uh, but yeah, I think that's where you you want to take a shot if you like it the way that Texas A&M's been playing. If you you know maybe Randall's going to tell us about South Carolina, but if you like the potential of Arkansas, um, they have a, a really clear path with Vanderbilt, South Carolina, LSU. Now winning what, five games in five days is not easy, but if you can get a thirty-one or head, you got to basically win three or four games, and then you can maybe potentially hedge or they make a magical run. Randall, what are you seeing in the SEC? We didn't talk about this ahead of time. I agree with everything you guys said. The path for Arkansas is absolutely there. The winner of Arkansas, South Carolina, I think is going to beat LSU. I like Arkansas in that game for all the reasons you said, Colin. Mason Jones is flammable. Isaiah Joe is back. They guard the arc very well. Even if South Carolina wins, because it's Frank Martin, because they have Mike Kotsar inside, who's a tremendous player, by the way. He will find his, his way on an NBA roster at his size and his shooting ability around the basket. And they have Keyshawn Bryan, who's probably going to win a dunk contest at some point. But the winner of that game, I think, is going to beat LSU. I agree. Auburn doesn't shoot threes well. Auburn doesn't make free throws well. Texas A&M is absolutely dangerous. They can make it through. And in the top part of the bracket, I've been a Mississippi State guy all year long. Uh, Reggie Perry can take a game over. There are very few teams in college basketball that have a power forward. That's the matchup that is tough to handle. You have Ben Helen, three straight Final Fours, UCLA, all that stuff. Tyson Carter, Weatherspoon, all the guys who can make shots. They have the schematic here. It is Kentucky, and if Hagens comes back, if he doesn't come back, that's a big problem. And I agree, they have a very tough first game, but Mississippi State and then the winner of South Carolina, Arkansas, I like both those as well. So let's talk about the Mississippi State number because Westgate has them out at eight to one. Ken Palm says there's a 10.8% chance that Mississippi State wins the SEC tournament. So the number should be 10 to one. So Mississippi State is a buy on anything 10, 12, 15 to one. If you can find that, that's a buy, not the current eight to one. Yeah, there's a book I'm looking at right now that has 18 to one there. Take it. I think that there's some value there. If you're in Jersey, points bet has 18 to one. If you're listening, excuse me, guys, based on that, I'm going to run right out of here and make that bet. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I mean, looking there, they have Arkansas at 30 to one and, you know, A&M at 80 to one. I don't know if that's enough for A&M, but yeah, I mean, I Kentucky plus 175. I mean, I just, no thanks. Auburn plus 250. No thanks. Florida is just, they just get a ton of respect in the market. So they're plus 400 at points bet plus 600 at Westgate. Yeah. So I think that the SEC is ripe for uh, a potential, uh, you know, sleeper to make a run here because of the the top teams aren't that strong, right? You trust Kentucky, but they've shown some cracks at times. I mean, they're not 18 to Florida. They lost at home to Tennessee and, you know, LSU and Auburn. These are teams that aren't, I don't think, top 20 teams. They have defensive issues. So definitely think it's an SEC tournament that could be more wide open than usual. Price point is uber important. I know this podcast is about making picks and picking conference tournament winners, but price point is just as important because there's implied probabilities with each one of these teams and you want to get way better than that because you you might hedge, you might not want to hedge, but shopping for the best number is always the thing to do with conference tournaments and it's a wide market to shop from. Yeah, and we're going to have individual previews on the Action app and actionnetwork.com up for these major conference tournaments where we're all give just like you know, who we like in a potential sleeper. So we'll, we'll talk about like, all right, well, if you like this team target, like for example, Mississippi state, they're at eight to one at Westgate. Uh, yeah. I, I agree. I don't like that number, but if you can get an 18 to one at points, but yeah, I like that number. That's, that's a big wide difference. So it's, it's just, it gets back to the point where having multiple outs, multiple books, this is where it's really important, right? Over the course of the season, it's really important, especially if you want to do this more than recreationally, it's a difference between a half point here and there that adds up over time. But if you're just doing it recreationally, you probably don't care about that as much. But if you want to bet futures and conference tournament futures, the discrepancy becomes even more magnified where, you know, over the course of six or seven conference tournament futures that you're betting, the difference between eight to one and 18 to one, pretty big difference. All right, SEC predictions. I'm going to go Mississippi State over Auburn. But I mean, this could be complete chaos or Kentucky. It's a tough one for me to call, Randall. 
Mississippi State over Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll go Kentucky over uh, Texas A&M. There you go. A lot of options in the SEC. Um, all right, so let's move on to the Big 12 Conference Tournament. Are you going to place a bet or what? Austin Reeves coming back from, what, 22 down? He went for 41 in the game winner to beat TCU. Oof, what a game. Oklahoma, as a result, has a top six seed. TCU does not. The top six seeds get buys into the quarterfinals. Uh, that's Kansas, the number one overall seed, shocker. Baylor, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Texas, who finally came back to reality, who finally, I finally, I finally beat Texas. Uh, they got absolutely walloped by Oklahoma State. I think they're down like 40 at one point. But those teams get a buy into the quarters. Then you have Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU, and Iowa State, who also just got waxed. They're without Halliburton. They are just a mess right now. I don't think you can really – I mean, Oklahoma State's playing a lot better, but given how good the top of this conference is, I think you can throw out all the teams, the four teams that don't have a buy. Per Westgate, Kansas is the favorite at, my, at minus 125. And I have them still as my best team in the country. Three points better than the next best team in the nation. I'll have my updated power ratings out there uh, on Tuesday. Baylor is at plus 275. West Virginia is at plus 700. Texas Tech's also at plus 700. Uh, you know, then you have Oklahoma at 14 to 1. Uh, you know, then Texas at 60 to 1. Oklahoma State at 61. Look, this is, it might not sound fun to me or to others. But to me, this looks like just on paper, I was going through the teams and now a lot of it's going to depend on the health of Baylor, Tristan Clark, Mark Vidal, they've been dealing with some injuries. But to me, this looks like it's going to be, and this will be fun, Baylor, Kansas, part three in the championship. West Virginia shows flashes, their defense is there, but the offensive drafts they go through, especially away from Morgantown, where they don't have that energy that they can thrive off of. They could lose to Oklahoma in the first round in a 6-3 game with Oklahoma as the three seed. You know, Baylor does play TCU, who they, or Kansas State. They just lost to TCU. But I see Baylor getting through. I don't think anyone could beat Kansas in the top half. So I see this as very chalky, and it's uh, Kansas against Baylor. I doubt I'll have a future here. I'm not a buyer in Texas Tech, as many of you know. I'm not a buyer in Texas. I'm, I don't trust the West Virginia offense enough. And West Virginia's going to have to beat Oklahoma, Baylor, and then Kansas in three straight days that's you know that's very tough to do for an offense that struggles for a team that struggles from the line as well um so randall let me throw this to you overall thoughts who do you like is there any potential sleeper here that you could see well the only thing i'm going to say right off the bat is i'm taking oklahoma state in that first game against iowa state i mean they're looking at bolton with a concussion protocol prentice nixon left the game with an ankle injury so right off the bat i mean iowa state has not won a true road game all year they just don't win on the road so they're going here to a neutral against Oklahoma State I like them I agree with that you that team is cooked I would say it's cooked I don't yeah, think there's any way that they want to even win and and you, do you think they want to win and play Kansas get annihilated but yeah they right. just have nobody left yeah and the first line is going to be the best line that comes out for that game listen Texas has been hot but they came back down to earth so I think the clock struck 12 there Texas Tech Texas is going to be a rivalry battle I can't see the winner of that game then beating Kansas I just think it's going to take too much out of them texas tech had their chance there against kansas they blow it so i don't see home with an enormous home court advantage exactly and their shooting struggles have been tough so i'm with you i I see kansas moving on the only team that i think you can take a flyer on maybe if you like it is oklahoma oklahoma uh, against baylor i certainly baylor i see beating tcu or k-state and listen baylor has limped here a little bit at the end of the year but they're still 26 and 4 15 and 3 in conference they had some injuries uh, 18 and 12 against the spread. They only covered one of their last four, but Mark Vital is vitally important. Uh, he's back now. Jared Butler needs to step up for them to beat Kansas. T can make shots, but he's still been slowed with that wrist injury. I feel like he hits a shot or two early since he's come back, and then from there it hasn't been great. So I think the key for them, I'm with you. I think it's likely Kansas Baylor. Maybe if you like Oklahoma, only because Reeves finally has started making shots. He's been below 30% from three point range for most of the year. That was a big shot for him. They don't turn the ball over Oklahoma so that's a big advantage 
but I've seen Brady Manic flake out sometimes, and they'll have to have the three guys, Reeves, Manic, and Doolittle, have to be on to beat Baylor there. So it's a tough one to see. But if Baylor gets Tristan Clark back, he's important there, six foot ten against Azubuki. That's what it has to be. I'm with you. Not a lot of futures. Maybe if you like Oklahoma, we've seen Oklahoma out there, 14 to one, I guess, if you like that. But probably it is going to be Kansas and Baylor because Kansas does not have a tough second round game. They're going to beat that team, whatever comes out of there, Texas or Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it with Oklahoma. Look, Oklahoma beat West Virginia twice this year, including at Morgantown by double. They beat, they beat them twice by double digits. And why is that? Well, they match up well. You know, Oklahoma has a little more consistent scoring. They're great from the line, top 25 in the nation from the line. But they also have a lot of size, which helps against West Virginia. And you nailed it. They don't turn the ball over. 26 in the nation in turnover percentage. That's huge. They're number one in, in, during conference, but that's huge against West Virginia, who wants to force you into mistakes so they can get out and transition and get easy buckets. You know, West Virginia's 30th in the nation um, in turnover percentage on defense. Oklahoma takes care of the ball. So, yeah, it's a tough first matchup for West Virginia. There's a reason that they lost twice, including at West Virginia. And, yeah, remember, this is in Kansas City. So you're probably going to have a pro-Kansas crowd uh, also. So keep that in mind. You know, your Texas Techs and your West Virginias of the world who have who lost to Kansas at home and they have you know two of the best home court advantages in all of college basketball West Virginia is a drunk zoo we talked about that Texas Tech's also crazy there's also elevation there they lost at home to Kansas you know I know Baylor won at Kansas a peak Baylor team fully healthy you know won at Kansas and could potentially give Kansas a run but as long as Azubuki stays out of foul trouble Kansas is that good they should win this tournament Colin anything on the big 12? Other than the the numbers priced correctly, because I believe Kansas has a 55% probability to win the tournament. So there's no way I'm fading Kansas playing a tournament game in Kansas City. You know, Brady Manick and Christian Doolittle, I wouldn't put anything on them because those those free throws at the end of games, that'll kill you in conference tournament. That'll kill you in, in the big dance. So for me, I, I mean, I hate to suggest laying chalk on Kansas minus 125, but that is the actual real legitimate price. So if you see a Kansas plus 110, that's actually worth some money. Yeah, I would take Kansas at any even odds, you know, minus 110. I would take it. And then if you want to, because I don't see them getting beat before the championship, if you want to and they do face Baylor and Baylor's healthy, you have a middle shot if you want it, if you don't even want to hedge, because Kansas will be like a four-point favorite over Baylor, a higher favorite over Oklahoma or West Virginia. It is worth noting, though, that Kansas lost that Elite Eight game to Oregon in Kansas City when Oregon did not have Chris Boucher a couple of years ago. That was the Frank Mason team. I just think because of their road prowess this year, this is a different Kansas team, that they've been so dominant. I think they're really going to relish playing that game home. Yeah, they, they keep winning all these games that other teams are losing. It's something that I keep falling back on, right? That game at Texas Tech, that sets up for, you know, usually an upset loss for the best team in the country. We're even Kansas State, right? That's Kansas State Super Bowl. There was a brawl at the end of the first meeting. You're at Kansas State, crazy environment. You're down. They find a way to win that game as well. West Virginia At West Virginia, crazy environment. They find a way to go on a late run. It says a lot about how good this Kansas team is. Predictions, Big 12, I'm going chalk. Kansas over Baylor. Yeah, I can't get Oklahoma past Baylor. I got Kansas over Baylor. I'm going to go Kansas over West Virginia. Maybe West Virginia can finally shoot the ball. Maybe maybe the pressure's off after getting that win. And the Pac-12. Well, gentlemen, what kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? So if you look at the Pac-12 tournament bracket, it's fairly interesting. And it's a tournament, it's a conference that's been pretty wide open. I thought that Arizona had some things figured out. And I, I think I tweeted over the weekend, drunk me. Arizona, some things figured out four hours ago. You know, four hours later, drunker me. That was drunk me. It doesn't count because they lost it over to Washington, who seems to really have things figured out. Quad A Green not coming back for the conference tournament, which really hurts losing their point guard. But this is a team that just swept at Arizona State and at Arizona. They were one of the almost, you know, the unluckiest team maybe in conference play history. Just lost so many games by one, two in overtime. So Washington is on a roll, but they start with Arizona in the 12-5 game. And Arizona is a, you know, potentially if they can put it all together, a top 10 team. That's a brutal draw for Washington. And on top of that, Washington, you know, they run a zone. Arizona just saw that zone, right? The unique zone. And they get to see it again. That'll help the familiarity factor. From an odds perspective, well, I guess from a format perspective, the top four teams do get a buy. And this is this is in Vegas. Uh, starts on Wednesday. Oregon's the one seed. USC is the four seed. They both get a buy there in the top half of the bracket, along with Oregon State and Utah. The winner of that game will face Oregon. Arizona-Washington winner will face USC. 
the top half of the bracket is really loaded. The bottom half is wide open. Uh, you have UCLA is the two seed who surged late in the year and somehow got the two seed. Arizona State, a very vulnerable Arizona State team, is a three seed. Stanford is a seven seed who could arguably be the best team in this bottom half, along with Colorado. They don't have a bye. So you would presume Colorado gets by Washington State. But, I mean, Colorado away from home has just been a nightmare. But the town is there. Colorado gets by Washington State. They'll play Arizona State. If Stanford gets by Cal, they'll play UCLA. Bottom half looks pretty wide open. Oregon is the favorite at plus 175. Arizona, despite being the five seed, is the second highest odds at Westgate, plus 350. Colorado, plus 450, even though they don't have a bye. So you can see these teams who don't have a bye, two of the three are listed as the favorites behind Oregon. Colin, what do you see here? Utah didn't win a single game uh, on the road in conference this year. So I I think I'm going to take Oregon State to get into that first game against Oregon. And they beat them in Corvallis in early February. Uh, The Beavers are the best free throw shooting team in the Pac-12, and they rank 31st nationally in point distribution from the free throw line. So I think that they're a good candidate to cover against Oregon, but not necessarily, you know, beat Oregon. When you got Travis Tinkle, you should have a good chance to cover this game. But I think Oregon's going to get by there. The Washington-Arizona, you mentioned it. This is the second time Arizona will see a zone. That Washington game, they hit 15 of 17 free throws. They had 11 steals. That's very, very uncharacteristic of an Arizona team that ranks top 10 in the country in offensive steal percentage. They just don't give the ball up whatsoever. And to give up 11 steals to Washington, I don't expect that to happen again. So it's going to be hard for me to take Washington in this one. You know, and, and, and so Arizona's having a problem closing out games. So I think they're very vulnerable here. USC, I don't have any love for either. They're on a three-game you know, winning streak all at home. Uh, They have three conference wins on the road, and and it's just not a team I want to back long term. They're last in free throw percentage and offensive steal percentage. They're the best three-point defense in the conference, but that isn't the primary source of points that, you know, that Washington or Arizona uh, goes to to get their points. So USC's best part of their defense isn't exactly what Washington and Arizona do. So I don't like USC to advance. I I think Oregon's going to have a a great time getting to the finals out of this pot up at the top. I think down low, the bottom half is – really where everybody needs to focus. And to me, there's one matchup. I think the winner of this one matchup is the one that's going to represent that, that bottom half of the bracket in the finals, and that's Stanford against UCLA. Now, Stanford's 331st in experience. I have to stop betting them. I bet them all the time. I love these guys. They're, they're young, uh, but they, they, they just explode to the basket. They look fantastic at points, and then they look lackadaisical at points. They've won three conference games on the road. Um, they're the best effective field goal percentage shooting team in the Pac-12. Uh, they ha- they're going to have no issues with clean shots against Cal. They're going to roll right into this game against UCLA. Stanford has a huge advantage over number two UCLA in shooting from the perimeter. The Bruins are 11th in the Pac-12 in perimeter defense. So I know there's been all this love for UCLA, but Stanford can attack them from the perimeter and and, and get an upset victory here. And I'm going to roll with Stanford, actually, to come out of the bottom half. I don't like Colorado. They've lost four straight, including a loss to Utah. Their defense has been atrocious and steals and blocks. They're not the same team that they were two months ago. Uh, I don't have any love for Washington State. I don't have any love for Arizona State. Um, I I like the Stanford UCLA winner to move on to the finals. If we're going to talk about pricing, Oregon is is plus 175 at Westgate, and they have a 30% chance of winning the tournament. So that number really needs to be more like plus 250 or plus 200. So it's not really a good number for Oregon at plus 175. Stanford is 12% win probability to win the Pac-12 championship, and they're being offered at 12 to 1. That's value. So that right there tells you that, you know, they should have odds that are more like eight to one, nine to one. So 12 to one or better on Stanford, I think is worth a buy. UCLA was given a 6% chance to win this tournament by Ken Palm. That makes them having 10 to one odds where I've seen so far at Westgate and other places, there's just absolutely no value that in whatsoever. I'd consider the Bruins at 20 to one. Not sure if that's going to pop up, but that's where their real value is. Yeah, well, I mean, you know my motto, fuck the Ducks. I don't like, I don't love this team at all. They have a great draw. They are the one seed. And, you know, Peyton Pritchard is amazing. Oregon's tough in a tournament setting. You'll have Dana Altman. They'll be switching his defenses between man and zone, morphing. They'll do some pressing. But this is a team that's what? 18-0 and in overtime games this year? They have just won so many close games. But it's a team that doesn't really defend. Uh, they're 75th in adjusted defensive efficiency. I don't think it's an elite Oregon team. I think that they'll beat the winner of Oregon State, Utah. But... Look, I've been high on this team all year. They're going to put it together. I am a stubborn man sometimes. I still see all the talent with Arizona. I think that they will beat Washington. They just saw that zone. That will really help. And I was going to potentially bet uh, a Washington future um, as a potential sleeper and depending on the path. But uh, I think Arizona – look, and Arizona is a deep team. 
Um, and that's going to help because they're going to have to win four games in four days. The thing with that you have to keep in mind with Stanford, they're not a deep team. So that is the one worry with Stanford. Um, not a lot of depth. So winning four games in four days, legs could become an issue. Colorado is a deep team. Uh, they have a good bench uh, that they can go to. All the talent is there. So the Col- Arizona and Colorado, the five and six seed, I think they're the two most talented teams overall. Really experienced team in Colorado, really young team in Arizona. Now, I know Colorado's been dreadful away from home, away from Boulder, and they've been on a skid here of late. But they should beat Washington State. They match up well with Arizona State. They beat Arizona State this year twice. Do you know where they beat them at? If you look at, if you look at Colorado, Colorado played Arizona State twice. They didn't play either of those games at home, which you might be saying, how is that possible? Well, Arizona State played them at home in mid-January and lost by seven. And these two teams actually opened up the year playing each other November 8th, I believe, in China, in Shanghai. They beat them on a neutral and on the road. So I think they match up well with them. They have enough depth. And then they could get, what, UCLA or Stanford? So my prediction is an Arizona-Colorado championship. It might sound crazy. And maybe both teams lose in the first round. They've certainly had disappointing losses this year. But I'm sticking with my guns. Try to get an Arizona like 4-1. to one. A Colorado five to one, you know, plus four fifty, plus three fifty, plus four hundred. Um, I'm way higher on the market um, on both of those teams, and uh, I'm thinking that there's going to be some positive regression, and you're going to see positive regression um, for both of those teams. And I think that the cream is going to rise to the top here in the tournament, and you're going to see Arizona and Colorado make deep runs. And I really want that Arizona Oregon rematch. I still have to eat the shoe. Don't worry, it's coming. But Arizona in the semis against Oregon, I think they get their revenge. They lost twice in overtime to Oregon. In two games, they probably should have won, missed free throws. And uh, so I really want that rematch. I think it's an Arizona-Colorado championship, uh, which sounds crazy. I doubt anybody will be with me. You're going to be a Twitter must-follow when Oregon wins again in overtime for a third time. Oh, man. I don't know (laughs) what I'm going to have to eat this time. Randall, what do you got here? Yeah, I agree with Colin on Utah covering. Oregon State's the big pillow, especially away from home, so I'll grab those points in a second. On the bottom part of the bracket, I want to go with Stanford. I do like Stanford. The problem is they do not rebound, and UCLA has been dominating the boards. A Mick Cronin team, that's what they're going to do. They lost UCLA at home to Stanford by 15 way earlier in the year, but this is a totally different UCLA team. So I'm going to have a hard time putting Stanford past UCLA. I just don't see it. The value here is Colorado. I mean, even though Colorado, like you said, Stuck, they have the most talent. We were talking about Colorado being uh, the the top team in the the Pac-12 for a long time. They lost four in a row. They've stumbled across the finish line, but they could get hot. Arizona State has done a nice job, but they still turn the ball over too much for me. I know that the metrics say they don't, but they're under 70% from the free throw line in Pac-12 play, and they get a little helter-skelter. They lost back-to-back games on the road, UCLA, USC. Then they lose at home to Washington. So I know they're flammable, but they have droughts there where they can really go – without a basket for a long period of time. So I'm with you. I think the values in Colorado there, you can get a nice odds. They get by Arizona State. They're going to play potentially UCLA or if you like Stanford. Yeah, they can absolutely make a run. And if they get hot and they match up with Oregon, we'll roll the dice and go with them there. I think the Ducks get through. I'm going to put Oregon in the finals, assuming Duarte's okay. If he's not, then that's certainly an issue. But yeah, I think the team that comes out of the bottom, if it's UCLA who keeps rolling with Mick, they pound the boards, or Colorado can absolutely beat Oregon there. Definitely. Yeah, and you mentioned the rebound, and that's why Colorado matches up well with Arizona State. Colorado, really good on the glass. Arizona State is not. So you get a ton of second-chance points and less droughts. Um, I, think it's, I think it's important to mention price, too, because right now Westgate has them at plus 450, and with implied odds of a 15% chance that Colorado can win uh, the Pac-12 tournament, you need to find a Colorado plus 550 or better, maybe a 6-1 to one or better. That's your purchase point on their futures. Uh, Westgate has them at plus 450, but they're, they're, you know, their probability of winning this tournament is about 15%. So look for a 6-1 to one or better on Colorado if you're going to buy them. Yeah, I'm a little less with my numbers because so, I'm, I'm a little higher both on Arizona and Colorado than the market. But, yeah, search for the best number. You know, at a 4-1 to one with Colorado or a 3-1 to one with Arizona, probably not worth it even with my numbers. And I'm higher on both teams. All right, so let's just go official predictions. I say Arizona beats Colorado. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go Oregon over Stanford. I can't quit betting Stanford. I don't, I don't know what it is. Fuck your ducks. I'm rolling with Mick Cronin. They're hot. I think UCLA beats Oregon. 
Fuck your ducks. All right. Um, all right. So let's move on to the Big East. Pow! From Trenton. Woo! What Trenton makes, the world takes. Uh, and this is a conference tournament that I have been waiting for all year because of the amount of star power. Um, now you add in, you know, this Creighton offense, which is playing so well. Um, you know, but you have guys like Marcus Howard. You have guys like Miles Powell, Sadiq Bey, um, the way that Providence is playing. Um, I mean, it's just, I think, going to be one of the most exciting conference tournaments. First round starts on Wednesday. Top Six seeds get a bye to the quarters on Thursday. First round games are Georgetown against St. John's, Xavier against DePaul. Xavier coming off that heartbreaking loss to Butler. I didn't even mention Kamar Baldwin, who was amazing and forced overtime and then won the game with a bomb three. Um, the top six seeds, Creighton. It's the number one overall seed. I don't think many would have predicted that. The two seed is Villanova down there with Seton Hall. Uh, so that's a loaded bottom half. And then you have Providence Butler, which should be a hell of a game. I think Providence actually matches up really well with Butler. It's a team, it's a, a Providence team that's playing extremely good basketball. They've made some runs here at the Big East tournament, which for those who have been living under the rocks at Madison Square Garden in New York City, uh, but Providence has won six in a row. Um, they beat, they won at Butler. They lost at Butler earlier this year, but they couldn't make a layup. Their offense is playing a lot more confident now. They beat Butler three times last year. So that's something to keep in mind. So if Providence does get through Butler, which I think they do, they will face Creighton. Assuming Creighton gets by either Georgetown or St. John's. St. John's is playing better here of late. You know, the the St. John's just beat Creighton up in New York. I know it wasn't at the Garden by what, by like 20? So maybe that's an interesting game. And then on the bottom half, you know, if Seton Hall against Marquette, is Marquette, you would think, going to continue their dive. They're dying once again. So let's start there. What looks like is going to be a Villanova-Seton Hall semifinal game. Maybe Xavier can throw a wrench in and beat Nova. Um, maybe Marquette somehow finds something in the tank. Let's start in the bottom of that section and go up to the top. Randall, give me your thoughts all around. There is one and only one rationale for liking Marquette, and, and that is that you are a believer in the Kemba Walker theory. Remember back to 2011, UConn limps in here, losing four of their last five, and then they absolutely go bananas behind Kemba and actually win the national title. Compare that to Marquette this year. They have lost six of their last seven games coming in. So if you believe in the Kemba Walker corollary, then you're going to back Marcus Howard there. Listen, Kobe McKinnon. But there's, there's other Kembas in this conference. That was the thing. That's the problem. That's and, the problem. And you know what is really troubling? We've called out this Marquette fading. but We saw what Providence did to Paul without Paul Reed, right? I mean, they were up by like 50 maybe at one point. Marquette lost to DePaul without Paul Reed. I mean, that's, it's even more troubling seeing what DePaul did without Paul Reed against Providence. Look ahead. Yeah, I am not on the Marquette bandwagon, but if you believe in that, I guess that's fine. I think Seton Hall gets by them. I don't see Villanova losing to DePaul or Xavier. Xavier without Scruggs has really struggled. Najee Marshall's been unbelievable, by the way. That was an incredible game going back and forth with Baldwin. Baldwin hit the three to win the game, but he's been tremendous. But they're not at full strength. So I see Villanova, Seton Hall easily going through on the bottom. You you nailed it, Suck. The ones that I like, it's Providence. You're getting seven-to-one odds on a Providence team that has won six games in a row. We got Ed Cooley magic with the pants splitting again, maybe. Who knows? They're hot. They're playing well. They've won on the road. They have two wins on the road here. They beat Georgetown on the road, and they beat Villanova on the road. They're playing really well. Alpha Diallo can get a bucket whenever he wants. That's a team I'm focusing on. And listen, you know I love Creighton. I don't think Creighton stumbles at the Garden against St. John's. I agree. It's a bad loss, but that was also a Karnasek Arena. So I think Creighton takes care of business. So for all this, even though Butler is scary, I see it as Creighton, Providence, Villanova, Seton Hall. Yeah, and keep uh, Creighton and Providence split. Creighton, during the regular season, Creighton got blown out um, at Providence, and they won a close one um, at home really physical Providence team that I think can get up and guard them, um, you know, just dominate inside. Um, but a, a fascinating matchup. And, and yeah, I think they match up with Butler. Um, Seton Halls and Villanova the, are plus 350. Creighton's the favorite of plus 300. Marquette plus 700. Butler plus 700. Xavier 21. And then Providence, yeah, plus 700. Because of how they match up, I think, with Butler 
end with Creighton, um, and then they avoid Villanova and Seton Hall potentially until the final. I agree. I think that's the look there. Uh, Seton Hall, Villanova, if that's the semi, should be a hell of a game. Um, and uh, I have Seton Hall better, rated better than Villanova. I think they would win that game in the garden. Um, and so I'm going to call here a Seton Hall Providence final. Seton Hall wins it. Um, I took some Seton Hall, a little bit of some Seton Hall and some Providence futures uh, for what it's worth. Colin, what do you, you see anything around the Big East? Let's talk about the biggest story in the Big East, or at least in my eyes, what we started to talk about when we started podcasting when college football season ended and we hopped into college basketball. What is this Creighton three-point shooting? Holy cow. And it just has not let up. I mean, it keeps going. They just shot 54% against Seton Hall the other night. So they're not in a funk, and I, <laughs> I don't expect this to stop. But who is the teams? Who are the two teams that are the best in the Big East at stopping the three-point shot? Xavier and Providence. And it shows because Providence just came up short by four points at Creighton, and then they blew them out when they hosted them. So Providence absolutely over Creighton. I love them to represent that top half uh, in the finals of this game. And then on the bottom, I'm going Villanova. Now, I mean, we can argue Villanova-Seton Hall all day. You guys know I have no love for Marquette, uh, and we're definitely never going to mention DePaul ever again after this podcast. Uh, But (laughs) Villanova has won in conference play seven of their last eight games on the road. They love to be away from home. They're comfortable in other people's environments. There's no stage that scares them whatsoever. I mean, the fact that they're seven of eight on the road to me, just straight up, not even against the spread, just straight up on the road is very impressive to me. So I'm going to take Nova and Providence, and, and I'll take Nova to, to, to beat Providence in the final. Uh, your prediction, Randall? I think there's one mismatch stuck with Seton Hall, Villanova, and that's the coach, Kevin Willard. I also don't like that. I think Miles Powell has not been as explosive lately. They're talking about tendonitis in his knee. Yeah, him and McKnight. That is a worry for the tournament. I, I kind of want, personally, with the Seton Hall future, I kind of want them to lose to Marquette. But I know they the beat rest. them easily, but just rest up and get their knees better. I'm going to roll with Providence. I think Providence is hot. I think that's a great game against Creighton because I think Creighton shows up. I don't think they're going to slow down from three. I think Providence is just going to get by them and they're going to play Villanova. And I'll take Providence to win the Big East tournament. There you have it. A lot of love for PC, who I think is a lock in the tournament. Is Marquette now on the bubble? I mean, oh, they'll if, put him in. They could, that'll be a perfect playing game, right? If they really fall apart here with Marcus yeah, Howard. Just yeah, that's true. We're going to get a Marquette, Arkansas, NIT final. Over. Over. <laughs> <laughs> It might be best if Marquette loses this and just sneaks in anyway. Um, but with them wearing down here, they exerted all that energy, put up 60 points in the second half and still lose to St. John's. All right, let's move on to the Big Ten tournament, which is wild. You know, this is a brutal league. My players aren't always exactly disciplined like we want them. Nobody in this room is. I mean, this has been the deepest and the overall best conference in the country, in my eyes. This is... Big Ten tournament that we played in Indianapolis starting on Wednesday. I mean, just to show you how deep this conference is, Indiana and Minnesota, two bubble teams. I think Minnesota has probably played their way out, but, I mean, has lost a million games by one point. But top 40 teams, they're the 11 and 12 seed. They need to win five games in five days, which is just crazy to think that, you know, an 11 and 12 seed in the conference is, you know, potentially we were talking about tournament teams and still could make the tournament. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some Indiana 50, 50 to one. There's some 35 to ones, 40. I mean, 55 to one. It's a little interesting. It's more interesting than Minnesota because Minnesota doesn't have a bench. Indiana has more of a bench. I mean, you got with five games in five days. I don't see either of them doing it. Um, especially with Indiana. I mean, if I had to pick, it would be Minnesota because they would have to beat Iowa, then Illinois, then Wisconsin to get to the final. Whereas Indiana will have to beat, they're going to beat Nebraska. They're going to beat Penn State, then Maryland, then Michigan State just to get to the final if the seeds hold. I mean, that's brutal. The bottom half, the way Michigan State is playing, uh, this is the team everyone, the market was waiting for all year. While they were, I mean, you have Aaron Henry, Rocket Watts. I mean, this team is rolling. This is clearly a top five team in the country. Uh, but Michigan State doesn't have an easy path. They're going to play the winner of Ohio State, Purdue. And then, I mean, no one really has an easy path in the Big Ten. Um, but if I were going to pick between the long shots of Indiana or Minnesota, I'd go Minnesota, but then off a bench, which makes it tough. So I'm throwing out both of those long shots. Michigan State is the, the favorite here at plus 325 on points bet. Maryland plus 400. Those two teams would, if the seeds hold, play in the semis. But Maryland would have to get by maybe Penn State. Michigan State would have to get by maybe Ohio State, who they did today, uh, or Purdue. Um, it was a lot of talent, just can't seem to close out these games. 
Uh, and the top half, Wisconsin's the number one overall seed. You can get them at 10 to 1, along with Iowa, along with Illinois. They're right around that same price range. Uh, Wisconsin is going to play the winner of Rutgers, Michigan, Illinois, along with the other top three seeds in Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Maryland, have a double buy into the quarters on Friday. Illinois will play either Iowa or the winner of Minnesota Northwestern, which will be Minnesota. Very interesting bracket. Lots of possibilities all over the place. If you believe in the way that Michigan State's been playing lately, you have them winning this. But with how deep the conference is, I, I don't know if there's necessarily value taking them at three to one. Um, but if you think that they're just going to keep rising and they're playing so well, maybe you take them. I do think that they match up well with Maryland. Colin, what do you see here overall in the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, Iowa doesn't have to play Purdue. That's good for them. So you can compare advanced statistics up against each other all day, and you're going to find out that there's about 11 teams in here that are very evenly matched. Eight of these teams play extremely good defense. And so when you go through that, then I started looking on the road. Who's been exceptional on the road? The best team on the road against the spread has been Rutgers, 6-3-1. and one. Now, I'm not out here trying to lay a future on Rutgers winning this tournament. Illinois, 7-5 and five against the spread. Everybody else, pretty mediocre or pretty bad on the road. So I can't get a pulse on who's going to be good at the old Conseco Fieldhouse here. I, I, yeah, but I know that team. Rutgers has been good on the road, but they just won their – second game away from home and that was against Purdue in one of the biggest shooting variance games of the year their only other win away from home was at Nebraska I mean they lost at Pitt they lost on a neutral to St. Bonnie's but your point's well taken and they do have a bench um, and Geo Baker's playing really well now but go ahead keep going and Rutgers doesn't seem like can play exceptional defense where's the offense coming from Iowa can play exceptional offense where's the defense I mean it, it but I think where I wanted to go with my pick for this tournament is I wanted to look at what your win probability is for the tournament versus what the current odds out there on the market is. And if there's a team that shows a lot of value, that's the team I'm going to buy and I'm going to ride them. So let's talk about that. Michigan was estimated at 22% win probability. You're going to need plus 450 or more to make that have any value. Maryland, 16% win probability. You need plus 520-ish. That's not out there. Illinois, Ohio State, they're 8.9%. You need an 11 to 1. That's not out there either. There's one team that has a probability and a perfect buy number. That's Wisconsin. Wisconsin has an 11.6% probability to win. You need about a plus 780-ish. They're 10 to 1 at Westgate, and I'm sure you can get a better number somewhere else. Wisconsin should be around plus 750. They're not. Uh, Any 10 to 1s or better on Wisconsin has extreme value in this tournament. Yeah, people refuse to just buy this Wisconsin team, but the addition of Micah Potter and what people don't realize is the loss of Kobe King, addition by subtraction. This team defends a lot better without him. They move the ball a lot better without him. Um, and, they, you know, Micah Potter, who can shoot the ball, he can rebound. The team's really good, and they still don't get enough respect in the market. And as you can see, they're 10-1 to 1 as the top seed, getting a buy into the quarters, and they're on the other side of the bracket of Michigan State and Maryland. Uh, other things I'll throw out, Michigan, you have Livers who's been dealing with injuries. I mean, Michigan has won four games in four days. Um you have Maryland who doesn't have a bench. They only have to win three games in three days, but they have zero depth. Maybe it shows up in their legs. Um, so I'm, I think Michigan State comes out of the bottom. They've been playing so well. Ohio State's been playing better of late, but after seeing Michigan State today against Ohio State, uh, maybe Purdue, you know, a desperate Purdue team can beat Ohio State. Not sure that they could beat Michigan State. Um, so I'm going to have Michigan State coming out of the bottom. I think if you want to go with an upset, you kind of look towards the top. Um, Maybe you make a case for an Iowa or maybe a Minnesota if you want complete chaos. But um, what do you see, Randall, in the Big Ten? Yeah, the bottom's Michigan State. If Ohio State was in any of the other three of the top four seeds, I could make an argument. They were Michigan State. It's way too hot. And I'm not trusting Turgeon in a big spot, so I put them through. Wisconsin is the play. Guys, Wisconsin has won this year in the Big Ten at Ohio State at Penn State, at Nebraska, fine, at Michigan, and at Indiana, which is really tough this year. So they've shown the medal on the road, and you're getting 10 to 1 on the number one seed. Makes no sense. And I also like Iowa. Iowa showed me more tonight beating Illinois than Illinois did winning at home. Iowa came back. They're tough. Garza still could be the player of the year. Him or Obi Toppin. He battles down low. Coburn played very well tonight, but that may not happen. Garza stepping out, hitting threes. So the big value here, as Colin says with the numbers, I'm looking at Iowa, which is around 10 to 1, and Wisconsin. Michigan State's going to go through. Michigan State's going to be in the finals there, but the number just isn't good enough for me. So I'm going to say Michigan State versus Wisconsin there in the finals. One of those at 10 to 1. The winner of that game, that's the value for me. 
I think, by the way, everyone wants to see Iowa-Illinois part three. That'll be fun on Friday, um, as long as Iowa gets by Minnesota. Um, all right, Con, any final thoughts on the Big Ten? I think Randall's exactly right with Michigan State. I think I think it's their time, especially in the bottom half of the bracket. Um, and and Minnesota-Iowa, I think that's a game where I'll definitely be taking it over because neither team could be playing uh, a lot of defense in that game. Uh, and it should be interesting to see what either one of those teams has left when they do play Illinois. And, and really, I just want Iowa-Illinois three after the chippiness we just saw in part two between these two teams. Uh, there's no love lost between them. I would love to see Iowa-Illinois again. But yeah, Minnesota-Iowa, I love an over in that game. And then uh, you know, probably going to turn around and do the same thing and take Iowa against Illinois in the tournament. But overall, I agree with Randall and Wisconsin 10 to one. That's the play. Did you guys see that Underwood signed a triggered McCaffrey poster on his way out the door right across <laughs> his forehead? <laughs> wow. <laughs> just, just to put, put some smoke on the fire there. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's unfortunate, but that's the reality of the situation. All right, let's go for official predictions. Uh, this is so hard for me to call. I don't. I mean, the, the conference is just so deep. Uh, I have to dig into this more. But let's get crazy and just say initially, Michigan State over Minnesota. Handle Michigan State over Iowa. <laughs> I'm going to take the team that's won eight games in a row and has beaten Michigan State before. I'm going to take Wisconsin over Michigan State. I might not hedge my ten to one. There you have it. That is all six power conferences. As I said before, we're going to have a preview. Well, previews up for each of them on ActionNetwork.com and the Action app. Um, we'll have continuous coverage all throughout March. I just skipped through daily life right now. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Let's make a lot of money together. And then we'll be back next week. Podcast talking about day one, day two, after selection Sunday. We'll have a lot of content there. Just tons of stuff from us. You're, not, you're going to get tired of us throughout the end of March. Thanks to Colin joining us from the Ski Lodge. Uh, and thanks to... Randall for joining us as always. You know the drill. Subscribe, unsubscribe, leave a review. It helps a ton. Uh, Tell a friend, tell an enemy, and we'll catch y'all later. Cheers. Peace out. Conference tournaments, bring it. We're finished talking.